Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Merry Christmas. How you guys doing this morning? It's our first Oasis Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Christmas service. We've had these in the past. Um, and you know, we've done them a few days before or a week before, but this is our first time like in the middle of it, having a service and it's so special, so sweet. Um, and I'm truly honored to be here with you guys. I, I wrestled with Pastor JP a little bit when he uh, asked me to preach this morning. Uh, he said, hey, how do you feel about preaching Christmas Eve? And uh, I, I ignored the text. And, and I, I responded a few days later. I said, isn't that kind of like a senior pastor type morning? And, and he said, no, you got it. And again, I ignored it. Um, and he, he texted back about a week later. He said, how do you feel about Christmas Eve? I was like, I love Christmas Eve. How do you feel about it? He's like, no, no, no. How do you feel about preaching? I was like, I'll do it. So um, truly honored uh, to be here. It's been so incredible to see what the Lord has been doing in our midst here uh, as a church, the way he's just been meeting us. He has sensed his presence among us as we've been gathering. It's been so sweet to come together and to, and to embrace the presence of Jesus together as a community. And as I've been studying through this text, I, I, I realized I probably chose one of the um, seemingly daunting texts, but also deceptively simple. And the reason that I couldn't get away from it was because it seems to be, in, in my opinion, one of the most revelatory texts about Jesus that we find in all of the scriptures. And we'll get there in just a little bit. But do you guys want to fall more in love with Jesus this morning? Yes. Me too. And, and just like that song said, one of my goals this morning is to pose the question, who is this king of glory? And that we would respond, Jesus is his name. And that our response would be to praise King Jesus this Christmas, this Christmas Eve and going into tomorrow and through the rest of this season. As you guys know, we are in the season called Advent, which in the church or the liturgical calendar marks the beginning of the year. In Advent, as we've discovered over these past few weeks, simply means arrival. But when we speak about the Advent of Christ, we are not speaking of an arrival, we are speaking of the arrival. And not just the arrival of something or anyone, we are speaking of the arrival of King Jesus. The long-awaited promised Messiah has come. That is the one who we speak of when we speak of this arrival. And in this time, we reflect his birth. And in doing so, we also look ahead to his death, his burial, his resurrection. But we also look ahead to his second coming and what a glorious return it's gonna be, church. You guys receive that, that he is coming back for his bride in glory and every single knee will bow, every single tongue will confess. And the word actually says that though, even those that pierced him will look to him and recognize him as Lord. And so this Advent season, we look back. We look back to the advent of hope, of joy, of peace, and of love, all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. 
Today, I have the privilege and the honor to teach on the advent of love, the coming, the arrival of love. And my ultimate goal this morning, like I said earlier today, is to pose that question. And, and I didn't realize that that's what I was doing, but the song helped put it into words. I had it written out in like two paragraphs. That song really put it into words. Who is this King of glory? Who is he? Jesus is his name. Our response, behold, praise him, for he is good. And we would declare, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy. I don't have a ton of time this morning, and we did that intentionally because we have kids, and so I'm gonna fly through a text together with you guys, and we're gonna, we're gonna go through a text that could be sat on for a couple hours, and we're gonna do it in about 20 minutes. You guys ready? Yeah, cool. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter one. John chapter one. I'll be reading out of the NIV this morning. And just hold that open once you get there. Um, if you're familiar with the story of the Bible at all, you would know that Israel had long awaited a Messiah, a savior, one that was to come and redeem all humanity. And Isaiah prophesied about this coming king, Isaiah 9, starting in verse 2. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Fast forward to verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Right, and you hear that, and your, your response is to get excited. But imagine with me that you heard that, and some time passes and this Messiah has not yet come and you've actually waited at this point 400 years and even more from when Isaiah prophesied. And you begin to wonder, where is this King of glory? Where is this Messiah? Where is this one? And, and right, 200, 300, 400 years go by and at this point you've well passed on. Your kids' kids have grandkids and, and right, to, for something to take root and to have fruit in someone's life when you don't see the fruit of it, it's really hard to keep that faith. Right, if you're, if you're a parent, moms, you know this, this anticipation, right? Have you guys ever really like waited? I'm not talking about like the Netflix buffering kind of waiting or like, or like sitting in traffic, but like have you ever waited? Right, if you're a parent or a mom and, and you've you had that anticipation of, of having a child, right? And there's obviously stages. I won't go into the anatomy and physiology of making a child, but there are stages to to to, to bearing a child, and then you, you get pregnant, and then you, you go into labor, and the baby is born and the wait is over. The child is there. You get to be with your kid. And maybe you're on the other side, maybe you're still waiting. Right? Maybe you've been in a position or a place where you're waiting for Prince Charming to come or you're waiting for whatever that thing is. And, and how devastating would it be to get to the end of your life and realize that the thing that you've been waiting for the whole time had been right in front of you. It was right there. And you missed it because you expected it to look different. Because you, you, you listened to the wrong people around you telling him, no, that's not the one. 
whatever it might be, to get to the end of your life and to be like, man, the, the, the thing that we'd been waiting for this whole time has been right in front of us, but we missed it. See, the people of Israel, they waited and waited and waited. And this is the framework which John is writing this gospel. He's writing to a mixed crowd of people, some who've received Jesus as the Messiah, right? This is 65 years after the death of Jesus and some who have rejected him. A mixed crowd of people, both received and rejected him. And so that's how we're gonna go into John 1 this morning. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. Would you reveal yourself to us once again this morning, Lord? Would you make yourself known to us, God? Jesus, King of glory, we just want you. And church, if you don't mind, would you just pray for me for just a moment that I would speak the words that the Lord is uh, inviting me to speak. I humbly ask for that. In Jesus' name. Amen. So John 1, 1, you guys should all be there. I give you ample time to get there. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If I were to read the first three words in this passage and just said, in the beginning, and this was your first time hearing these words, at least from this letter spoken, your mind is immediately gonna go to the first page of the Bible, right, where God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the echo of the creation story in John's gospel cannot be missed because for John, the creation story is a, is a shadow of the Christmas story. And the Christmas story is a continuation of that which God started at the beginning. What I mean by that is John wanted to reveal to us that from the beginning of time, God's plan had been to rescue and deliver his creation through his son, Jesus. See, what humanity messed up in the garden Jesus restored in his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. That Jesus himself was a type of recreation. That, that the creation story was meant to point to the greatest creation story, Jesus the Messiah. And the points that John wants to understand here are, are clear and like I said, deceptively simple. And let me, just, let me just share a few things here. Jesus is God and is co-eternal with the Father. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. See, it's easy for us to think that Jesus started when he was born. No, he is with God. He was there in the beginning. He is co-eternal with the Father and is himself God. The second thing is this. Jesus himself was the creator. It says that when God spoke, he spoke words. And this text reveals to us that Jesus is the word of God. So when God spoke, it was Jesus that went and created all things. The third is this. What God intended for humanity in the garden, of, in, the garden in the creation of the world, it has been redeemed and restored in the person and work of Jesus. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. 
the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, just like God spoke light into existence, so too Jesus is the new light of all mankind. Just like God breathed the breath of life into Adam and Eve, so too in Christ, God breathes new life into us. In Christ, the kingdom of God has arrived. It is here. And we look ahead to his return. And the last is this, that in Christ is true life and true light. A scholar says this, new life brings light. New life makes seeing possible. When death is replaced with life, darkness is replaced with light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that's what we're talking about, the light of life, the light that comes with new life. When you receive Jesus, you receive new life, church. When you receive Jesus, you receive new life. No longer was it the distorted, broken life that was there because of sin, but you receive new life in Christ. You receive light because of him, and his life is the light of the world. Amen? And, and uh, like I said, this is, this is a, a big text, right? And so you might be reading it. You're like, what, what is even happening right now? Just stay with us for a few moments, please. And, and while these may seem like simple statements about Jesus, these truths are crucial, absolutely crucial to grasp in order to understand how significant his birth and later his death, burial, and resurrection are. Let's continue. I'm gonna fast forward to verse nine uh, so we don't get distracted by that little... Uh, Post note that John makes right there. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Here's the point. With every revelation of Jesus, a response is always required. See, there were two types of people revealed here. There were those that Christ went to who accepted him, and there were those that Christ went to who rejected him. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And this statement will really forever be one of the most bizarre statements ever in the Bible, that the creator God came to his own creation. His own creation did not recognize him, specifically the ones that he went there to primarily, and they did not receive him and rejected him. But to those who believed, he brought with him into his family. So this morning... I want to pose a question. Who do you say Jesus is? If you say he's the light of the world, he calls you his children. And as his children, he gives us new life. He quite literally causes us in the spiritual realm to be reborn. And that means that our old selves are gone, that what was the brokenness, the sinful part about us, we don't have to live in that because he's freed us from that. He's delivered us from that. He's given us new life. See, we're given a new hope, a new name, a new destiny, a new purpose. And that's what we talked about, hope, peace, joy, and today, love. 
because in him, the light of the world, we have new life. See, there's a transforming work that happens when we're brought from one life to another, from one reality to another. And each of us have a responsibility to respond to Jesus every single day. How are you responding to him? Who do you say that he is? Because with every revelation of Jesus, a response is required and we have no excuse. He's been revealed. He is revealed. He continues to reveal himself. And if you're like, Reuben, I, I don't have dreams about the Lord. I don't receive visions. His word, the greatest revelation of Christ that there ever was. None of us have an excuse to be able to say, we're either gonna choose to receive him or to reject him. Who do you say that he is? So to recap, he came to his very creation. Some rejected him, some believed. Let us choose together to respond to him as Lord this morning. Continuing in verse 14, and this is where we're gonna land the plane. Uh, worship team, you can probably make your way back up as we stated. This is gonna be a shorter service this morning and we're flying through this text. I hope you guys are doing okay. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Fast forward to verse 16. John loves to make these little side notes that kind of distract us, but are also really revelatory. But fast forward to verse 16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. This phrase here, the word became flesh, is why we're gathered here this morning. It's why we celebrate Christmas. It's why we come and we remember the birth of Jesus because the word, the very creation, the creator became creation, that he would ultimately die for her. See, and this, this phrase here is the rest of the book, the, the, rest of the phrase that the rest of the book of John hinges on. No longer does John refer to Jesus as the word. He refers to him as Lamb of God, King of glory, Son of God, Jesus, because when he came, something happened, something shifted. And what John's been doing is painting a picture for us, reminding us of the creation story, prophecies about the Christ, about the light that was to come. And now he gets here, and for the final time in his gospel, refers to Jesus as the word. This creator, co-eternal with God himself, the light of the world, the glory of God, became flesh and church. I know that we've heard this so many times, but Jesus did not just take on a shell of a body. He did not just take on the physical part of us that is gonna be in a tomb one day. No, he took on every single part of humanity, the, the good, the bad, the ugly, right? He was born, he had to be burped, he had to be changed, he had to do all of these things, he had the temptations, yet he was without sin. The word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. No longer is the presence of God bound or restricted to the tabernacle. 
It is available to you. It is available to I. See, we have the ability to walk with him, to dwell with him through the power of his spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job this morning is to make Christ known to us. Do you guys receive that? Holy Spirit, would you make Christ known to us this morning as we walk with you, as we live with you, make Jesus known. See, church, this is the Christmas story in the gospel. I'm gonna give it to you guys in, in a nutshell right now. That the very creator stepped down from his place of dominion and power and authority in a human body, not just a shell, but with all the other stuff with it. See, Luke 2 says, Fear not, for behold, I bring good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, we... Jesus went to the very creation he created and his very own people rejected him. Yet he was so gracious that he gave everybody who would believe a position in his family. And he went so far as to die for that very creation that rejected him. And in doing so reconciled us to the father and revealed him to us and caused God's presence to dwell among us. This is our king. Do you guys receive him this morning? This is our king. Now, now you might be asking, as I begin to land the plane here, you might be asking, Ruben, you said you were talking about love today. You haven't said the word love, like at all. And I would actually pose that this entire time we have been talking about love. How do you mean? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The one we all know. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. 1 John 3, 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. And finally, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. There is no greater love. See, when we talk about Jesus, we talk about love because he himself is love, the greatest love that ever was. And I know that all of us can look at our own lives wherever you're at. You're all in we're all in different places in our walks with the Lord, but each and every single one of us can look at our lives and recognize God's goodness and God's love upon us. You guys know my story, some of you, that I was bound in addiction and substance abuse, and the Lord came through, through family and friends and rescued me when I was at my end and gave me life, that he redeemed me from the pit of hell when I literally was on the verge of taking my own life, Christ came and revealed his love for me. And each of us, yeah, yeah, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, for what you've done in each of our lives. And every single one of us, wherever you're at, you have a story. You can look back and be reminded of God's faithfulness. And if you're not there and you're like, I don't know what he's done for me, look at the cross. Look at the cross, what he has done. Look at his birth even, that he came down. He was fine in heaven, guys. He was fine, but he wasn't because he wanted us to be redeemed. He left that so that he can come live and die for us, that we might have life in him. 
Now, as we close this morning, I want us to walk in that tension that we walked at the beginning, that you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Messiah to come. And you hear this gospel and you can almost feel the sigh of relief on those who received him. Man, we knew we got it right. But you can also feel the other side of those who rejected him, the guilt, the shame, the embarrassments, or even the denial. Maybe saying like, man, how did we miss the one who was right in front of us the whole time? Or maybe still denying, nope, not him. With this tension in our mind, I wanna move to John 1, 35 to 39. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. This Christmas, each of us, different places, yet each of us responsible to respond to the revelation of Jesus. See, there are some of us who've received the revelation and can clearly and boldly say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And if that's you, there, there's, there's something that's costly about this. See, in that moment, John lost two of his disciples. And if he was about himself, he would have been flustered, upset. How could they go follow him instead of me? But because it wasn't about him, he actually began to give glory to God. See, the revelation of Jesus is costly, but it is the most cost-worth thing that you will ever give your life for. And there are others in this room who maybe you're being drawn to him and he's asking you, what do you want? And you may not have all the answers right now, but he's calling you to follow him, to receive him and to receive his love. He'll answer the questions for you. And even if he doesn't, he'll let you be okay with the mysteries. Sometimes the Lord does that for us, but he'll give you deeper revelation of who he is. He will cause you to understand him and to love him deeper. And the reality is he doesn't need us to have all the answers. He simply needs us to behold. And that's all that we do. We behold the King of glory.